Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Welcome into Mackie and Judd, and it is bonus scoop time with our buddy Darren Doogie Wolfson, Channel 5 Eyewitness News. You can also find his scoop podcast right here at Score North. It is Judd, it is Declan, it is Dukes. Uh Plenty to get to, Dukes. Uh, great time of the year in March, lots going on. But let's start with Vikings free agency. So the first round is done now. Um, they certainly made some moves, freed up some cap space. It looks like they're also, uh, I think it was Ben Gessling reported this morning, that they put some void years on Byron Murphy Jr.'s contract, put some void years on Josh Oliver's contract to create even more potential cap room um, for the coming season. And you were going back and forth with someone on Twitter and casually mentioned, so just don't aggregate this, don't get super excited, but it's interesting, the name of McCole Hardman, who has been with the Chiefs, who certainly could be on the radar as a potential receiver along with Justin Jefferson. What can you tell us about how the Vikings are approaching phase two of free agency? Well, good afternoon, gentlemen. Too late on the aggregation. By the way, so let me get this right. So Phil Mackey is in LA hanging with Craig Kilborn. That's right. Yeah. You two knuckleheads are stuck talking with me yeah, yeah. here in the Twin Cities. Yeah. I'd rather talk work? to you. I, You know, Craig's great, but I'd rather talk to you. You're a longtime friend. We've been through thick and thin. Dukes, I'll be honest, you're a longtime friend, too, but I'd rather be with Craig Kilborn, if I'm being completely no, honest with you, not, sir. And you know what, Declan? I'd rather be with Craig Kilborn, too. <laughs> I love you. You're right. You and I go back decades. Years. I'd rather be hanging with Craig in Los Angeles. <laughs> I'll just be frank. I absolutely I'll, would. I'll say this. Craig Kilborn has never given me a deal on not one but two really cool twins bobbleheads, okay? So when Craig Kilborn starts to do me solids like Darren <laughs> did, then I'll hang with Craig Kilborn. Until then, I'm 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 staking my claim to my guy, Dukes. Well, I appreciate that. I'll have some more bobbleheads for you in the near future if you are interested. On McColl Hardman, Damn straight. there has been some casual dialogue. Nothing beyond that. The Vikings have not pushed for any sort of visit. The medicals, you consider his injury history. Medicals are a big deal with him. So at this point, kicking the tires. But can I see them adding some receiver, whether it's Hardman or somebody else, at some point before the start of training camp? Yes. Now, Isaiah McKenzie just came off the board. He's on his way to the Indianapolis Colts, the former Buffalo Bill. My understanding is the Vikings were not in on him. 
It has been reported by CBS Sports that the Vikings had representation at the recent Odell Beckham Jr. showcase. The Vikings still are fighting it, though, cap-wise. I mean, you're right. I mean, the main roster database, yeah, Ben pointed it out, but, you know, people have access to it, that void years were added on Josh Oliver, on Byron Murphy Jr. So the cap hits for those guys here in 23 are relatively low. But with that being said, Judd, there's still very little wiggle room. Now, mm-hmm. are there more moves to come? That Brian O'Neill restructure, he'd still get his money, not any sort of pay cut, but the restructure is still in their back pocket. We still wonder about Dalvin Cook, about Zadarius Smith. I know a big deal was made, Judd, on Friday of some guarantees kicking in. Now, Dalvin was always getting, because of the surgery, because of the injury, that $2 million was always going to be there. So I think that was overstated. But sure, Zadarius now has, what, a $5 million guarantee that has kicked in. But I would still keep an eye on those two situations. I'm not 100% convinced this second that both those guys are on the roster come week one. Dukes, what's the future uh, with, or not not future, I should say. What's the timeline of when they maybe approach Daniel Hunter about a new deal? Is that just kind of on the back burner for now because there's free agency waves going on? You obviously are still planning for the draft. What's kind of the status of keeping Daniil happy here? Because obviously I think a new contract could be in play. Hell, maybe even they put him on the trade offer and you could get a potential haul for him. What's the kind of status or where is uh, Daniil Hunter's order in the pecking order of Vikings offseason to-do list? Well, my understanding, Declan, is there has been some trade interest registered. I just don't get the sense that the Vikings are, you know, interested really in, in moving him now. Could that change at some point? I guess it could. But, like, I think Daniil is going to be here. But that is the elephant in the room. His base salary for this season is what? I mean, Judd, do you have the exact number? Is it just over $5 million? Yeah, the base and salary no guarantees left. No guarantee. Very, very low for a yep. player of his caliber. He's not playing for this. And, yeah, I mean, the sense is he wouldn't play for that. Now, the Vikings maintain a good relationship with his representation. Heck, his representation – as Byron Murphy Jr., right? So they did that deal together. So, you know, it's not like there's any sort of bad blood. But yes, I would say that's another situation worth monitoring, Declan, because I have a hard time believing that Daniil Hunter is comfortable playing this year at just over $5 million compared to what many of his colleagues are making. If you look at comps, right? I mean, go up and down the list of guys that produce like he has produced. Those guys are making triple what he's set to make here in 23. So I just have a hard time believing that he'll just say, okay, no problem. I'll show up when you need me to show up. No issue whatsoever. So I would say to be determined, stay tuned. But that's definitely a talker as we move forward in the spring. Yeah, I can't see him. Like once we get through the the draft, assuming he's not traded at the draft, and I'm, I'm assuming he won't be, I can't see him being at OTAs. And then I think, the mandatory mini camp would at least be in question. I just don't. I don't see a guy who who still puts up the production that that he has, um, who has basically shown before that he'll play contract hardball. Good for him, and who missed the majority of two years at his age now, saying I'll be glad to play on the last year of a contract with as, as you said, dude. You're right, a low base salary and no guarantees. It doesn't make sense. It's going to come up. There's a lot that's still going to transpire here. 
on your Dalvin Cook point, okay, I saw uh, yesterday Devin Singletary, who I think had been the Bills' top running back. Now, their run game was not good. Uh, he signed with the Houston Texans, though. Dalvin's brother is in Buffalo. Buffalo has certainly been mentioned before. I wonder if that's the type of thing, because I think we're conditioned, Darren, as as football fans, and it's exciting that the first wave of free agency has so much action that that we're like, here's the action. But if you really look at this whole springtime, you know, it starts with free agency in the beginning of the league year, but it really then extends to the draft. So, like, I do think that Dalvin Cook probably gets traded around the, the draft because that's that's when the Vikings are going to say, hold on a second here, we really have five draft picks. We need more. So I would just caution to say I think that this is very much a to-be-continued work in progress, far from being done. Well, yes. And, I mean, when it comes down to it, like, do you really think they'll only have five draft picks? No. I don't. Now, moving back from 23 is something, depending on how the board shakes out, I wouldn't rule out that possibility. But, yeah, that's where I point to just more stuff is coming. Now, the Bills did sign Damian Harris, the former New England Patriots. So I don't know if the Bills – I never heard the Bills on Dalvin. There was some Miami scuttlebutt, but based on their moves, Mostart, Wilson – doesn't make a whole lot of sense now. I was told Atlanta at the Combine was okay. doing its due diligence on running backs. As far as I can tell, Good one. Atlanta hasn't made a running back move yet. And I don't have the full list in front of me, but a lot of guys have now come off the board. Now, maybe Ezekiel Elliott ends up in Atlanta, right? But I still think the Falcons do something. I was told there was at least some level of interest in Dalvin. The other part of the Dalvin equation, Judd, is like he can't pass a physical right now. I don't know when he'll be able to pass a physical, but coming off that shoulder surgery, he's not in a position in the next couple of weeks to pass a physical. So that just pushes the timeline back. Dudes, I want to go back to the defensive side of the ball. Do you see a path? I know Zadarius Smith's bonus kicked in, and I know if you trade him, the other team accumulates that bonus. So the the Vikings could still save some of that money they would have had if they had cut him the pre bonus. So there's a bunch of uh, you know hoop jumping there to a degree. However, do you still see a path where Zadarius Smith is a Viking in 2023, or are they just waiting for the right trade offer to come in? Well, I would say 70 30 right now, Declan 75 25 that he's elsewhere, but I had mentioned, it was one of the times I was in studio with you guys in the last two weeks, that somebody over there made it sound like, hey, like we're not anti a combination of Davenport, Zadarius, Daniil. And you consider, you know, Zadarius's injury history, Daniil's injury history, heck, Davenport's injury history, you can mix and match pretty good. That they weren't ready to say, hey, no way, no how. Now, Zadarius, you know, if he got his way, he'd already be gone, right? I mean, he felt like, hey, there's more money to be made elsewhere. But the Vikings still value Zadarius Smith enough here in 23. Now, maybe this is all part of the game, right? Hey, you know, we'll leak to some reporters this, that, you know, somehow, if we can, you know, elevate some trade interest. So, you know, I'm not dismissing that possibility. That's why I say it's like 75-25, but... I'm not going to sit here, Declan, and tell you it's 99% that he's gone. Like, I'm not all the way to that point yet. And this could come down to uh, potentially, the more I thought about this, 
Hunter Insurance as well. Like if Daniil comes in and tries to break the bank, there's a very good chance they're going to say, uh-uh, can't. Zadarius will want a new contract, but I don't think it would be for as much, and it certainly wouldn't be probably as long and extensive. So the, the more I thought about this, I wonder if they got to a point, because they know what's going on with Hunter behind the scenes and we don't. I wonder if it appeared that Z was going to be gone. And then the Vikings talked to the Hunter camp and said, hold on a second here. It might make more sense because, you know, remember, it's very important to note that Zimmer's not here. It's an offensive guy. And I don't know that they're going to bend over backwards for Hunter like they did with Mike here, you know? So like, could, could it be Davenport and Smith on a new contract that they deem to be more palatable? Just a thought, but I just, the thinking in Egan is going to be very different than it was previously. And we're seeing that. And I've been trying to figure out like in what ways, and that is one where they are going to put a premium on their expenditures on offense, I think over defense. Yes, I would agree on that. And, you know, people need to know those conversations are happening simultaneously. Like with Madison, trust me, as they're having dialogue on the Madison front, they're trying to figure out, okay, heck, we might lose him, right? This was before Detroit made a move, Denver made a move, right? So those two teams, like, we knew those two teams would add a running back, and those two teams were in on Madison. So if you lose Madison, you know, heck, you better keep Dalvin for insurance, right? Even if the run game is, you know, uh, middle skills too too light, but not a huge part of this offense, although I think it's going to be a bigger part. In 23, I just I'll reference back some of those exit interviews in in January, some of the dialogue with with the current running backs just about, hey, we missed on some opportunities to run the ball more in 22 that we do want to run the ball more in 23. Look at the Josh Oliver move, right. a move like that points to some more runs coming in 23. But I'm just saying, like those conversations absolutely happen. So I don't know this to be true, but yes, I mean, if you want to bring that up, Judd, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think about. Okay. They're having some dialogue with the Hunter camp, hearing out that side. Okay, well, we can't really make a move right now on Zadarius because Zadarius serves as some level of insurance in the event that Daniil doesn't show up. Dukes, I don't think we talked since the actual restructure came down with Harrison Smith. We talked about it on that Thursday morning, afternoon, uh, and then the, I believe Thursday evening or late Thursday, or early Thursday evening is when Harrison Smith's restructure came in. Have you heard anything on his decision to stick around for the Vikings? Was there interest elsewhere from his agent or whatnot? What was Harrison's uh, kind of final nail in the coffin to stick it around, stick around with the Vikings in 2023? Yeah, I mean, there was definite interest elsewhere, Declan. Now, one person close to Harrison told me Harrison so badly wanted to be back here that he told his camp to shut things down. So I don't know if it ever got to the point of, okay, was a team willing to give Harrison over $8 million. Could he have made more money elsewhere? My sense is the answer is no, that he's maximizing his earning potential by staying a Viking, but he also really badly wanted to stay a Viking, that he feels really comfortable playing under Brian Flores, that Flores made it well known that he wanted Harrison Smith to lead the secondary. So, you know, it seemed like that marriage was was inevitable as last week started to you know, move later in the week where I joined you guys last Thursday morning, where going back the previous week, I was saying, hey, there's a chance, absolute chance, the Vikings make the move on Harrison. But as we got into the weekend, into last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and eventually Thursday morning, when 
when we went back and forth, the signs were there that it was going to happen, that Harrison was going to remain a Viking. To be clear, this is not from you, but I want your thoughts. Um, it was, I believe, on Sunday, ESPN.com, our old pal, Jeremy Fowler, who covered the Vikings for the Pioneer Press back in the day. In fact, I competed with him. Jeremy's a great guy. Um, had a very interesting tidbit, Lamar Jackson, and, and this was not Vikings exclusive, okay? So the Vikings are a passing mention as a team to keep an eye on for Lamar Jackson, who, who can be signed to an offer sheet. Hell, he can be signed today to one. It would cost you two first-round picks, and the Ravens have the right to match. Um, and Jeremy certainly did not say that the Vikings were the top candidate. He only mentioned, hey, keep an eye on your thoughts on that, given that Kirk is still here. Um, obviously, that would change things if they were to even sign him to an offer sheet. But I would just like your thoughts on uh, on what was a very juicy thought thrown out on ESPN.com. I struggle to see it actually happening. Now, Jeremy doesn't volunteer that information lightly. I mean, we well know he's got plenty of sources. And so I don't take what he says lightly. And he's not by any means suggesting it's going to happen. I'm just telling you, I, I struggle to see it happening, that the Vikings would make an actual offer that Baltimore would turn down. And like I think about Atlanta last year going after Deshaun Watson, not getting him, creating friction. Like I think the better chance, Judd, is they are going to draft a quarterback. I just don't know if it's going to be now or in 24. But I did see the Daniel Jeremiah mock draft earlier today (laughs) sending the Tennessee quarterback, Hendon Hooker, to the Vikings at pick 23. Now, you know, I only put so much stock in a lot of mocks. But I do know Daniel Jeremiah has plenty of contacts in the league. So I put more stock in that than I do any Lamar Jackson scenario that entails him landing here in Minnesota. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Uh, Dukes, I saw the switching gears. I, I saw the Shams report uh, that Carl Anthony Towns and Ant could be back as soon as tomorrow against the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, what are you hearing on that front as well? Yeah, I was told by somebody close to Ant late Friday night, or it might have been Saturday morning. I can look at my text messages, but I was told, quote, a few games. Now he misses the Saturday game. He misses the Monday game. Now a few would be one more game, but is it possible he's back as soon as tomorrow against Atlanta? Absolutely. If not tomorrow, then Sunday at Golden State. On Carl Anthony Towns, he has missed now 52 consecutive games. None of us thought back in late November, that we would be sitting here on March 21st talking about Cat 
still being out. But yes, once he started to play in those five-on-five stay-in-shape games last week, the return was imminent. Like Jordan McLaughlin played a day or two after playing in those five-on-five games, coming back from his calf injury. And I get it, different grades of the calf injury. But just one thing to mirror that, hey, Jordan McLaughlin played. He was in the lineup two days later. Cat plays last week. Could he be in the lineup now six or seven days later? Yes, absolutely. But if he's not back Wednesday, I would anticipate he's back Sunday. You look at the standings. Sunday's game in San Francisco against the Warriors is enormous. Now, they only have nine games left. So as you're jockeying, they're, what, in eighth right now, OKC, Utah, tied in, in what, the, the percentage, the win percentage column. Those two teams each have played two less games than the Wolves. The Wolves have some tiebreakers, too, over some teams, which helps their cause. I don't know if I see a very likely path to them avoiding the play-in, but I also think they make the play-in. Like, I don't see a scenario where they are missing the play-in entirely, but you just you look at Sunday in terms of tiebreaker, and you look at the Warriors' inability, although they did win last night on the road, but their overall inability to win on the road you think about tie-breaking scenarios, like that's a really, really big game on Sunday. So the idea would be let's get Ant and Cat back on the court a little bit on Wednesday. Then we'll practice on Friday, practice on Saturday, take Thursday off, then have those guys that much more ready for that really big game on Sunday. So it's trending in the right direction. I can't sit here and tell you on Tuesday early afternoon. Declan that like it's 100% both guys will play on Wednesday but I'm just telling you you know whether it's Wednesday or Sunday I anticipate both guys being back very soon and you know I mean the injury situations are always fluid I mean I was told late last week Jalen Noel would be back on Wednesday that he wouldn't come back on the road trip he would be back for the home game against Atlanta well lo and behold he came back one game earlier he played really well (laughs) last night he missed 10 games with that knee injury but I thought Jalen Noel was very good in New York last night. So that's what I'm saying about the fluidity. Like late last week, the idea was Noel would be back Wednesday. Then all of a sudden by Monday morning, things shifted enough. Hey, okay, he'll play on Monday night. But the point is both guys are on the cusp. The return of both is imminent. How much fun was that game last night at the Garden? My God, the the enthusiasm of that crowd. This is why I like it when the Knicks are good. The enthusiasm of that crowd was coming through my TV. That is one of the that's one of the most fun Wolves games I've watched all season long. I thought that was fantastic. Well, and I mean, just for them to find a way against a really good team, a team that likely finishes fifth in the Eastern Conference, for the Wolves to find a way down cat, down ant, to find a way to win. All I could think about as I was watching that game, though, was Tibbs. How much Tibbs values defense, although that shifted a bit with with you look at their offensive numbers the last couple of years, but I was just thinking like Tibbs, how much he just values defense, you know, as shot is going in after shot. I mean, Torian Prince, right? I mean, what a game for Torian. Jaden McDaniels, that is one true benefit. I mean, there's a few, but one true benefit of D'Angelo Russell no longer being here, Judd. Mm -hmm. Jaden McDaniels is taking more shots. There is a lot of offense there. Yeah, Jaden. He's Declan's guy. He's been yep. Declan's guy I, I, forever. I, I, well, I mean, you just you look at the Mikael Bridges contract at twenty million dollars a year. Yep. Jaden McDaniel's is worth that 
if not more. Now Bridges, you could argue with his role now in Brooklyn, is underpaid. Really, really good player. We saw it a couple Fridays ago at Target Center. But I'm just saying, like, you look at Mikael Bridges at 480, like, that's the starting point on the next Jaden McDaniels contract. But we're seeing his offensive game rise to another level as as his shots attempted is rising. So with D'Angelo Russell not eating up all these shots, that means Jaden McDaniels can take three to five more shots per game. So I really enjoy seeing the offensive growth of Jaden McDaniels. Help me out on Cat's return here, okay? Because he's a star player. There's no question that when he can come back, he's playing. Help me out, though, as, as you said now, it's what, 52 games that he has been out? What is the chemistry aspect here? Because, you know, the whole first part of the season, and it was till he got hurt, was supposed to be like trying to find out how Cat and Gobert and Ant, and at that time, D'Lo all fit together like a puzzle. And it didn't exactly go swimmingly, and then Cat gets hurt, and now obviously Conley is in place of D'Angelo Russell. But what's the realistic expectation now? So, like when Cat comes back, does Nas lose time? And more importantly, do we know how Gobert and Cat and Ant all gel, or or is this at, at a very bad time to be a work in progress? Is this going to be a work in progress again? Well, yeah, sure, it's going to be a work in progress. I mean, we really don't know. I mean, we only had the 21-game sample size where they went 10-11. and 11. They were under 500 against, I would argue, as soft a 20-game stretch in their schedule yeah. as there's been. And so they underachieved when Cat and Gobert were in the lineup together. It doesn't mean they can't coexist, but it wasn't much from what we saw. But, yes, it's going to be a work in progress. Yes. Do I anticipate Nas Reed taking a little bit of a backseat? Sure, although – like, you think about his success against the Warriors, Nas Reed better play, even with Cat out there, Nas Reed better play a lot of minutes on Sunday against Golden State. Nas Reed owns the Warriors, so he better play a lot on Sunday. But, yes, in the short term, I would imagine, maybe not substantially, but I would imagine a little bit, yeah, his his minutes get, get cut back. I'll be curious to see when Ant's back, too. Okay, like, who loses minutes? Is it Jalen Noel or is it Nikhil Alexander-Walker? Alexander Walker, for a stretch there, was making shot after shot. Not so much anymore, but clearly on the defensive end, you prefer Alexander Walker over Noel. So I'll be curious to see how that shakes out, Noel and Alexander Walker, when Ant's back, whether it's Wednesday or Sunday. Duke's a little uh, twin steam here, so I, I'm seeing Lavelli Neal III tweeting out that Byron Buxton should be in the lineup today for an actual spring training game, uh, and it could be at DH even. In, in fact, uh, I'd be surprised if he wasn't able to get into a spring training game at this point with the with opening day inching closer and closer. Obviously, there was Jorge Polanco news that he doesn't look like he's going to be ready for opening day. Do you feel Byron Buxton is still on on plan here? I know there's been there's, there's, there has been these phases to getting him ready. Uh, but it seems like Byron Buxton might be making his spring training game debut uh, this evening. And do you feel he's still on track to be ready by Major League Baseball's regular season opening day? A game early tonight. I think it's a 5 o'clock Twin City start, 6 o'clock Eastern. A game that is being televised by Bally's Sports North. Now, I get it. A lot of people don't even get Bally's because of different situations. <laughs> they don't stream these Twins games, so that yeah. stinks. But, yeah, you can actually watch, if you have access to Bally's, you can actually watch the Twins starting at 5 o'clock. So, yeah, I mean, this, I imagine Declan would be phase three. Now, 
as we fast approach March 30th, opening day in Kansas City. I guess I would not be shocked if Byron that day is DHing, not playing in center field. So that could be Michael A. Taylor in center on opening day. The guy to keep an eye on. Now, I said on last Thursday that it was trending in the right direction for Jorge Polanco, but now as you gather more information, not so much. And so it doesn't look like Jorge is going to be ready for March 30th. I told you that Alex Kirilov, that was the one to really keep an eye on. Kirilov actually right now might be a touch ahead of Polanco, so that's just not good news on Polanco. But I'm not sure either of those two guys will be in the lineup on opening day. But hopefully it's soon thereafter that we see at least one of them. But I would say it's trending. It continues to trend in the right direction on Byron Buxton. Just don't know if he'll be in the field on opening day. But at this point, I absolutely anticipate his bat being in the lineup on March 30th. Joey Gallo, probably your opening day first baseman? Absolutely could be, yeah. So Kepler, yeah. So assuming that they're facing a right-hander in Kansas City, Kepler. Yeah, I mean, right I would think Frankie or Singer, right? Probably, yeah. right? So you're probably facing yeah, probably. a righty, right? I mean, I don't know who Kansas City's opening day starter is, but I would think so. But yeah, I mean, so then you could go with Larnick and Taylor and Kepler in the outfield. Now, who do you go with at second base? Is it Donovan Solano, who hasn't shown us much? Would you go Solano at second base, or would you go Nick Gordon? at second base, or would you go Kyle Farmer? Jose Miranda, by the way, should be back in the field later this week. He's progressing fine with the shoulder. Yep. So I anticipate by March 30th, Miranda should be able to play third base. He should be able to play in the field. Okay. Final scoop, sir. Go ahead. Well, we've got a bunch of draft prospects coming in for the Vikings. April 11th is a local day. So I know Terrell Smith, the former Gophers corner. John Michael Schmitz, the former Gophers center. Brent Lang from Minnesota Duluth, from Lakeville North High School. Pretty rare for a UMD Bulldog to get invited to the Combine. Well, he was invited to the Combine, and he impressed last week at Gophers Pro Day. So he'll be also on that local Vikings Day visit. They also have a running back from Alabama-Birmingham, Dwayne McBride coming in, a Bowling Green defensive lineman. Brooks is his last name, and an LSU offensive lineman, Bradford. Plus, more names will emerge these next couple weeks Gophers baseball. I don't know who thought that they could play outside this weekend at Siebert, but they have officially moved this weekend series to Omaha where they were supposed to host Creighton this weekend. That series will now be in Omaha at Creighton. I just don't know who the heck thought we could play outdoor baseball on March 25th, March 26th. I mean, Holy crap. But anyway, that series is now, in Omaha. I've been asked about Andrew Rohde, the St. Thomas guard, who's now in the transfer portal. I've been asked, hey, what about the Gophers? Well, I'll just leave it at this. I don't see him landing with Minnesota. There's some Creighton buzz, certainly some Wisconsin buzz. He's a high major player. It's unfortunate. That's just what happens when you're first team all Summit League, the Summit League freshman of the year. You just don't stay in the Summit League for another year. You're a high major player. Heck, I think he's got some NBA potential in a couple years. You know, maybe on a two-way contract, something like that. But bottom line, it's unfortunate news for my buddy Johnny Tower, but it's the way of the world when you're a mid-major. I await the day. I think we're talking seven to ten years from now, but when St. Thomas is in the Big East. That's what Royce said, don't have to worry about something like this. Yeah, Big East. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I might become with, a Tommy. With all fan. that NIL money, I mean, they'll have NIL money. I might become a Tommy's fan, you guys. I, I, I might switch allegiances. Absolutely. So, I mean, you think about Creighton, 
right? I mean, there's NIL money at Creighton yeah. in the Big East. Hell yeah. If St. Thomas gets to the Big East, now again, we're talking 2030 or beyond, but yeah, let's not forget yeah. how how good Dr. Phil Eston is, St. Thomas's athletic director. Yeah. You think about his history at Penn State, at Minnesota, like he's not long for the Summit League, as long as need be, right? Plus on roadie, I get it. He can say, I want to play in the NCAA tournament, and St. Thomas has to wait five years, so I won't have that opportunity as a Tommy. But bottom line, I don't see him landing with the Gophers. Did hear the Gophers are making decent progress, though, in this Pepperdine guard, Mike Mitchell Jr. At least some hope they can get him in for a visit. So as Mike whittles down his list, Minnesota has a decent chance at this pretty good transfer guard from Pepperdine. I know that there's also pretty good interest, mutual interest, there's a guard uh, transferring, uh, Taylor is his last name, from Butler. So mm-hmm. the Gophers are working it, though. I mean, they've reached out to over 20 names in the portal. A new name hit the portal. Well, I guess I don't know officially. I was told yesterday it was happening today. Curtis Jones from Creighton Durham Hall. Really good guard from the University of Buffalo. Was all conference. Was Buffalo's leading scorer. Well, Buffalo fired its coach. And, heck, if you're Buffalo's leading scorer, you're also a high major player. I was told, unlikely, though, to the Gophers. Like, common sense would tell you, logic would tell you, hey, kid from Creighton Durham Hall, he wants to play high major basketball, the Gophers need a guard? Like, it would be a fit. Well, sounds like he enjoys playing elsewhere, doesn't necessarily want to come home. So, you know, we'll we'll continue to follow that situation, but I I think that's going to be a hard get for the Gophers on Curtis Jones. On Gophers football, P.J. Fleck announced this morning, Dalen Wright, the wide receiver, no longer part of the program. You remember last year, he was suspended for a game. Effort in that Illinois game was horse crap. He then was suspended. He's got all the physical tools, but you also need the mental side of things to click. And it just, it didn't click. So Dalen Wright, along with Michael Brown-Stevens, two receivers that certainly saw some targets last year, no longer part of the program. Local TV ratings. For the USA-Venezuela World Baseball game in town, crap. Like girls' high school basketball, the championship games on Saturday, destroyed the local rating for USA-Venezuela. I love the World Baseball Classic. I cannot wait for tonight, USA-Japan. But unfortunately, Judd, the World Baseball Classic hasn't really captured the imagination of people here in the Twin Cities. Fair enough. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate it. Trying to think, did I write down anything else? I was going to say, is that it? See, I, I, I was yeah. trying not to buy. I was trying not not to bite on the route. I think that's okay. it. Well, you know what? If there's there anything go. else, I'll be with you guys on Thursday. So I'll I'll I love to hear it. it. Thank oh, you, you know, sir. I just got a text. Uh, you know what? I'll save that for Thursday. It's Laura. All right. We're good. Pick up no, some milk when no, you go to no, work. This one's not Laura. All right, no, not Laura. No, thanks, dude. She did tell me to take out some hamburgers, so I need to do that. So yeah, I got a couple things to do, but don't forget. She texted like two hours ago. So yeah, we're all good. Thanks, dude. Okay, see you, boys. Bye-bye.